This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Hover. Visit hover.com and use the promo code REMO, R-E-M-O, for 10% off a new domain name registration. It's a video game podcast. <laughs> and my name's Chris. <laughs> Zach's here. <Ba-doop. laughs> games, video games, video games. Why? Why am I back? I have nothing to say and I'm really tired. All right. It's February 5th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 144. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Nick Brecken. And we're joined today by our friend and co-creator of The Kingdom of Loathing, Zach Johnson. Hey, guys. Thanks hey, for Zach. having me. Hey. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Fun to have you here. Um, so we got a bunch of new listeners uh, in the last week, it seems, and we figured we would just reintroduce ourselves because of that to folks who maybe haven't heard us before. Um, so we are basically just a bunch of friends who, uh, work in San Francisco in the video games industry and we record this weekly podcast. Um, so I'm, and I'm Nick Brecken. (laughs) That's that's true. (laughs) You are. Uh, Um, so I'm Chris, uh, until recently I worked for Double Fine Productions and I now work at Campo Santo, which is a small video game studio in San Francisco that was co-founded by Jake. And Sean, who's not here this week. Yeah. <clears throat> Sean's the other host of the show who's not here. I'm Jake. Uh, I work at Campo Santo in SF, and I used to work at Telltale Games, where I worked on The Walking Dead. And uh, this is just a completely just perfect, <laughs> wonderful chain of introductions. Yes. Because Nick. Yeah. I'm Nick, and I work at uh, Telltale. Uh, I used to work with Jake and Sean. Uh, I, I'm a writer there. <clears throat> and, and I'm uh, Zach. Zach. And I make video games, and I'm not really on this podcast. Yeah. But you are today. Today, and I that's am. what counts. We have important things to talk about tonight. That we do mm. not. No, wait, okay. <laughs> that's probably true. I feel like I don't know how much there is to say about this, but I feel like we should just get right into it, which is Disneyland. <laughs> oh yeah, Nick went to Disneyland. I did. I went to Disneyland. Disneyland is like yeah. a video game. It's not. Uh, oh. well, yeah. A lot of people actually compare it to a video yeah, game. Yeah, Disneyland is know. a lot like a video. Game. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like. There was wait, I want to hear what Zach has to say about it. Well, no, I mean, I, I feel like Disneyland is interesting in mm. the way that video games are interesting because it's all about the sort of design of the user's experience. Yeah, sure. When the mm. user is allowed to make a lot of choices yeah. about things, and yeah. it's just sort of a lot of it is just trickery, but but a lot of it is also just like let's make sure that there's always something cool to look at, no matter yeah. what direction you're looking in. And yep. it's like it's a thing that I really like. I don't know that I necessarily feel like you can learn a lot by going there, but mm. it is at least. It's like a considered experience, right, and you sure. can like trust in that, right? And they yeah. and they actually like yeah, they keep it clean and stuff. Like they they care about <laughs> like, <laughs> like how video like games game. keep it clean, yeah, keep, keep it clean. Games, they keep it clean. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like most multiplayer video game experiences. <laughs> <laughs> clean, wholesome, lovely. Uh-huh. Um, so are we talk. Yeah, about, like oh, oh no, you, well, no, I was just gonna say like I, having worked at Bethesda, a lot of those guys will point to. Uh, the, like the castle at Disneyland as an example of just a very simple point of reference for open world design. There's just a lot of comparisons that are made all the time. Anyway, I played fucking Buzz Lightyear though. 
that's what we got to talk about. Yeah, we're here today. Yeah. We're doing this podcast today um, because we heard that Nick rode yeah. the uh, Buzz Lightyear ride in Tomorrowland. So, this ride, just to, to clarify thing. for people who don't know... Um, is like 12 years old. Yeah. So this is not actually like a, this is not like a scoop. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the outside, it actually says based on the events of Toy, of Story, Toy Story 2. 2. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like, yeah, really up to date. But um, what's the ride called? <sighs> Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blaster. Oh, it's an Astro Blaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. 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 I mean, so I went into Astro Blasters uh, attempting to win. Um, Can I you read. Win? You can't win Astro Blasters. I re- I re- well, you so you there there used to be. So I, I you know I tried to game the system. I uh, I looked up the best cheats and hints. Um, what you got the pretty games Astro tried Blaster the guy fucking, like min max Astro Blaster? Pretty much. I mean, what else are you gonna do? I mean, what you don't go in like just I don't know go having a good time like have no fun with your family. Okay, so, that's, that's a, like, the, what? Make sure the kids are having a good time. It's not a baby game. If the targets are hard to hit. They're like way up at the top of the ceiling. <laughs> it's not a you, baby I think game. It actually, is yeah. Of all the What's the height use? requirement on this? <laughs> it's not actually. Game. You can aim down the sights. I think of all <laughs> it has iron sights. It does have iron sights, and they this, work. This might actually, in fact. <laughs> Of all the games we've euphemistically referred to as baby games, this might, in fact, be the only one that is, in reality, a baby game. It's not, though. You have to be higher than a baby to – you have to – the height requirement is it's at least baby. It's at least an, an older, like, upper toddler game. Yeah. It's for kids It's for kids who can walk. It's a legitimately difficult game. It is actually very hard. It's very difficult. So, but it's but yeah, the, like thing, the thing that I learned though, the thing I so I played it twice. The thing that I do learned is that it's, do you want to explain? Well, yeah. So it's a it's a laser game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's based on laser, um, like uh, like laser tag technology. Right. It's, you, uh, you sit inside cars that are yeah. like any other like like a haunted house ride or something where it's just slowly <laughs> like going on a track. Yeah, you can, yeah. But you can control the rotation. You of can the control car. the rotation yes, of the car. So. You're yes. given a laser. Very gun, important. And there are targets uh, all over the place. Yeah. And it's, it's two to a car. Right, two to a also. car. Uh, you're basically competing against the person next to you. Although there's also a um, a scoring system at the end that's sort of more along the lines of it just uh, says, personal best. Like you're a level five guy if you scored between a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand points. And it shows whatever. the best so score of the day, I think. I didn't notice that, man. But maybe it did last time I was there. Well, those um, those ranges, given where the, everybody in my party got, like the first time we went through, yeah. those ranges indicate that there is obviously. Oh, some huge There is disparity. a lot of uh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of skillful play that you can do. Oh, no. Separate there. the Nick Breckens yeah. from the babies. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's true. I mean, so so I I, I went in just really <laughs> attempting to crush my girlfriend, and the thing is, so here's the thing. I don't think it's calibrated properly. I was really disturbed. Yeah, this so, is like amazing. This is already. I went in. Okay, I, like, so I went in with the intention of crushing my girlfriend. And look, here's the thing. I don't think it was calibrated properly. Fuck you already. Oh, hold on. On top of that. On top of that. Let okay. me tell you something. Okay. The first fine. picture. So the fact you, that you, you indicated get... what your intention was, and you've already introduced like three disclaimers. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. I was gonna well, be my girlfriend at this Disneyland <laughs> shooting gallery. Anyway, the gun wasn't calibrated. Oh man. Anyway, look at this. I had, feel this. <laughs> I had to resort to, to some really sleazy tactics because so you have the <laughs> you puncher no well so there's the there's the uh, there's a joystick in the middle of the, uh, between the two uh, lasers you know where I'm going with this yeah there's I a joystick you like can control times. the movement of the car right yeah she didn't know that existed or at oh least I don't God. think she was she uh. was like. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think she was. She wasn't planning on using it. Let's let's put it that way. So I would juke the thing anytime that she tried to line up a shot. Basically, the second half of my experience was just intentionally trolling her play to the point where I ended up beating her. She presumably doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, she does. So. <laughs> The thing, the thing that was disappointing, though, we get done. It takes a picture of you near the end, and then it superimposes your scores next to your faces. They flipped the scores, so now <laughs> they didn't flip the scores. You just grabbed her gun and, and used that accidentally. Yeah, it's garbage. Wait, so I don't, anyway, what is the takeaway of this? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm just saying I tried. You to were just the didn't. biggest ass well, possible. <laughs> then, even after all that, you're like, oh, did they flip the scores? So. Let's just. But what well, okay. I, I do want to back up and say that I did try. So I tried to learn. You know, I tried to go online and learn. You know what the strategies are. Basically, simple, very simple strategy for, for for framing here. I'm guessing she didn't. Do no, this. she didn't. She didn't know I was doing it either. So that's good. So, <laughs> good context for this. Whole but what I what I wanted to say is that the um, it was interesting because when they originally designed the game, it's not actually interesting. But when they originally designed the game, they had hidden uh, Easter egg uh, point scores. So like. There's a, a zone, like, the, the first screen, basically, if this was a game, you, you know, you come into the first uh, shooting gallery, and, like, if you knew to, like, turn around and shoot the, uh, the Z up in the top corner, you could get, like, 100,000 points per hit. Now everybody's gamed it. Like, they all know that that exists, and so mm-hmm. they've changed all that stuff so that it's basically, like, the opposite of that. Like, you get 50 points. It's completely backwards. You don't – don't read the online hints and tips. Anyone <laughs> going to Disneyland this season, Blaster. it will lead you astray and lead to your embarrassment. Need this tip. <laughs> so here's what I think we should talk about. We opened this episode by saying – We've got a lot of new listeners. We are um, <laughs> professional game developers who work in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area game development community. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about how Nick tried to beat his girlfriend in a Disneyland ride. Yeah. So um, go listen to a different episode if you want to hear us talk about something. About um, anything else. About, about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No. I that, don't know. What, did you, what did you guys play this week? <laughs> Game oh, set play, match. Man. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you know it was fun though. Disneyland's fun. So oh, I love Disneyland. I've been there great. several years. Yeah. Disneyland is great because it like another way in which it is like a video game is that it. No, yeah, it's good. I have a thesis statement. It like if you think about a like a Wild West video game, it would have a certain number of things in it that weren't necessarily like what a town in the West would mm. look like, oh, but sure. they are what a Wild West town in Disneyland would look like. Right? Uh, like it, it like represents like the same sort of like level of abstraction yeah, yeah, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. sort of like iconography of right. like you know say colonialism or whatever whatever like genre they're they're trying to give you your entertainment in. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know. It's true. It takes the tropes and it it kind of. Well, it's just a big set. It's like a big <clears throat> yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. It takes all yeah. the things yeah, that like your brain hones in on about yeah. the homes in on about those like settings or eras or whatever. But it's like know, a cartoon. It's like walking around exactly. a cartoon yeah, yeah. of a movie. It's, well, like, it's like walking around a nineteen sixties depiction of real life, or the, like the, yeah, or the Las Vegas version of yeah, exactly. The two thirds of the way down the like understanding comic spectrum of like a building or mm. a tree or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that it's. What I found really strange this time was, uh, like, walking through Tomorrowland, I did feel literally like I was in a theme park game. I think I must have played Roller Coaster Tycoon recently or something where, like, 
this this like the music the generic like looping sci-fi music next to like sort of the, the very generic sci-fi you're thing. like oh there's a 3d emitter over there yeah it, it was really strange i was i was, like positional sound everything just felt very much oh, yeah, like yeah, i yeah. somebody had just placed that building in right. the world and yeah. suddenly like it was just looping the theme uh yeah it was it's a weird thing yeah it's cool though i like this one so i, I am, used to go I, there like three times a year i remember mm-hmm. that yeah i stopped yeah. doing that recently yeah yeah, I went there for Thanksgiving, and they they like this I, past Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, like three months ago, whatever. They um, I didn't realize this, but they redo a lot of the stuff for Christmas, like the yes. the yeah, haunted mansion. The haunted oh, mansion the, is uh, all like Nightmare Before Nightmare Christmas. Before Christmas thing. Stuff. It's not like, as good. It's kind of a bummer. It's like, the worst be, because I like I go there basically as often as I want to, which is probably like once a year. It didn't bother me so much that I got there and it was all weird Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. But it, like, if that had been like my one trip yep. this yep. decade <clears throat> to Disneyland, I feel like I would have been kind of annoyed that the Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. wasn't what it used to be. We're going to get really out in the weeds here on this episode of Idle Thumbs, apparently. <laughs> there we go. But I, I really like the Haunted Mansion overlay. <laughs> oh, really? Before Christmas thing. Oh, yeah. so do I. Oh, so do I. Absolutely. I like it, again, for the same reason, probably, because I go there too fucking often. Yeah. But I don't, yeah. I don't think it is, I don't think it's, like, better than the original, but it was interesting to see, like, a different take on it with sort of more modern tech applied to it. Like, it, if, there is a book, <laughs> there is a book. Like, Jake, you're giving the most skeptical look, and I can't figure out why. It's because this is a weird episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's a book called uh, It's Kind of a Cute Story by this guy Raleigh Crump, uh, which I have not read, but I'm going to talk about it on this podcast. Um, I've, I have listened to some a couple of, of CDs that were like outtakes from the recordings, the interviews that they did with this guy. And it's just like it seems like it was a super fascinating place to work for the smart guys that they hired in the 50s and 60s to put all this stuff together. Like the, just this guy telling stories from when they were building the Haunted Mansion. And it's, awesome. it's, it's neat. Like – Knowing a little bit about that stuff and then seeing, like, okay, well, this is what they've done with the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff with, like, just better, more modern mm-hmm. technology overlaid on it. But so much – I mean, so much of what's impressive about that is just, like, you know, there is a giant sheet of glass that is, you know, whatever, so big that it's in the Guinness Book of World Records is the biggest window or whatever. That's why you can see <laughs> right. the ghosts in this in this dining room. And that's still exactly the same even with the overlay, like, because why – Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why mess with something that's like, I like cool in a way that you wouldn't imagine? Those, that's I like those it. weird little things. I remember one of the more recent times, I guess I went to Disneyland. I walked through a completely like non major thing, which is, I guess just like a wing of the big castle thing. And there was like, I can't even remember. Was that all the little dioramas of Sleeping yeah, Beauty? All yeah. All the little oh, Sleeping yeah. Beauty like book pages. And they're like, it's not like a ride. It's just like you kind of walk through and there's this little like open tomes with these kind of 3D dioramas, but they all have just like little cool flame effects and things that are all like created in the world rather than just on a computer screen. Um, and it's just like, it was just a clever, cool little thing. And I'm like, man, someone just thought of this and was like, how do we do this? How do we like make this interesting, like actual artifacts in the world and like this little display and they just made it and did it. And I'm like, it's cool that there's a place for that. Like, it's cool that there's a location that just houses yep. mm-hmm. weird, odd creations. Like that. Just like a bunch of money and effort. Yeah, put to just making cool things mm-hmm. to like make kids happy. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the it's the thing that I like about Disneyland. I think as an adult, and the thing that I that always makes me go there repeatedly is that yeah, it is just the most heightened, insane, like basically theater design, like set and production design, like real world right. constraints, actual physics, lighting, and like crazy weird force perspective. But you just wander around inside of it. Yeah, which um. 
weirdly just made me want to talk about Sleep No More, but I don't know if we've ever mm. talked about that on this podcast. Have you been? Has anyone else been to that? I have not. No. Shit. Okay. I don't know if I have a whole if I have enough to say about Sleep No More. Mm. It's, it has nothing to do with Disneyland other than it's a living theatrical experience. Um, I think every time I've heard about it, I thought it was a video game. No, Sleep No More. Is, okay, so I guess I will talk about Sleep No More for a minute. There are so many Maybe people you're thinking of Sleep Is Death. No. There, there are a lot of people who are so much more into Sleep No More, including like Steve Gannon, I think, has yeah. been multiple times. Um, it's a. Um, I don't actually want to give too much away of what actually exists inside of it, but it's um, it's a like living theater experience inside of New York where they just have an entire building that exists for the purpose of you going inside of it and just walking around and doing whatever the fuck you want. Like, um, I think Gone Home feels very much like a game made by people who went to Sleep No More a lot of times, thought it was good. Like, there's actors inside of Sleep No More walking around living out a story that you can sort of follow along and engage with and disengage with, but also you can just wander into rooms and just open up drawers uh, and there's just reams of paper just with in-world fiction written inside of it. Uh, you, so you can just find all this weird stuff. Some of it's ambient details. Some of it turns out to be relevant to the sort of weird kind of like impressionistic show that's going on. <coughs> and also, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's vaguely creepy. Every There's like probably a hundred other patrons inside, but all of them are wearing uh, like eyes wide shut sort of plague doctor mask things. So anyone who is not a performer has just a complete white face, crazy, creepy mask on. And then actors are wandering around inside of it. And I think you can just go inside and stay as long as you want. Hmm. Um, it's this. It's it feels like a weird combination of like David Lynch and Bioshock, basically. Uh, and I think the entire inside the, I, is, is I, a vague is a vague like interpretation of the story of Macbeth. When I was at Irrational, there was people talked about Sleep No More all the time. Like it's not like the yeah the Bioshock link has been. Like that connection has been observed by a lot of people. Obviously, it's also I mean, Bioshock it's a, predates this thing. I think, but like people at Irrational got really into like taking trips to New York to go. It's see it's it set in, it's set in a very similar era. Like it's in a, it also has a little bit of a Coen Brothers feeling, I guess, just because it's in a very sort of cinematic feeling old hotel. But then like it's got old jazz music playing and people just doing really weird depraved stuff. So it mm-hmm. feels like Bioshock. Um, Is it expensive to? I don't remember the do? cost of a ticket. Um, I. I, I mean, I think compared to like going to see a Broadway musical or something, it's probably comparable. But that's a pretty expensive I mean, I think experience it's, it's as far as like... Probably, it's probably actually less than something like that. Or the, really? I thought it was like 60 to $100 or something. It's, tickets to musicals are not cheap, though. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the problem with experiences like that in general is it's so hard. Like, I don't know if it's that the people who want to do stuff like that don't necessarily have the business acumen to figure out how to do it profitably. But it's like... You know, you can do like a haunted, you can do a crappy haunted house if you charge a bunch of people a little bit of money to right. go through it. But like to do something like that as an installation, sort of institutionally, like it seems like, you know, well, we did this because we got a grant because it's educational and then we, the money ran out and so we can't. They've been doing it for years and it yeah. seems like they it sells out. sell out basically all the time. Every night or at least on weekends. And I like they've been doing it for a while. They also, I think they did a similar thing in a different city. Also, yeah, they did in Boston for a bit. The, the thing that they've been doing at the Sleep No, at Sleep no More, the, the one that's running right now in New York, because I subscribed to their mailing list. Like, I, it was a crazy experience. I, if you're ever in New York, go to Sleep No More. Like, fucking do it. It's it's worth doing. But um, they, um, when you first go in, the they well, <laughs> I guess that's not when you first go in. Sorry, this is needless noodling. But um, 
they have a liquor license and they have a complete bar with like jazz band and it kind of nebulously exists inside of the fictional universe and also doesn't. And I think they also have events there. Like they had New Year's Eve there and the mm. photos from that just look like eyes wide shut, but with <laughs> no boobs. Um, <laughs> but just like crazy. Like it just looks like Bioshock. It's fucking terrifying to see the, uh, like I think that, but they, they've also, they do that sort of stuff where they have run, they have dinner parties. They do all sorts of stuff. I think they've successfully figured out how to make a fair amount of money out of their, out of their room that they fill with people. We went to a talk by the guys that did the Jejun Institute stuff mm-hmm. here oh, in yeah. San Francisco and they're working on some new thing, but, oh, cool. and it was, it was, was like, like a, this was just, it was a really quick explanation. This was a real world, like set in the city of, set throughout the city of San Francisco, like basically full day event where you'd go to this weird office building in the financial district for like supposed orientation into this weird kind of new age pseudo cult thing and it would lead you on the basically what is essentially like a scavenger hunt or like a treasure hunt through the actual city to like find these items and piece together this like mystery that happened and it was a really fun thing but i think even to find out about it they had just put up flyers that yeah, were yeah, sort yeah. of like a puzzle that's that resolved a, yeah, to like we found out a certain it. payphone that you had to go to mm-hmm. to, to it talk wasn't to quite that ridiculous it, like you they had <laughs> there were um i remember because we did it but there were like um flyers on uh, like lampposts and stuff throughout the city and they'd be like, come visit the June Institute at this address in San Francisco for your orientation. And it was like very vague. And we're like, we should just do this. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't cost anything. Yeah, and yeah. the whole reason that it was able to exist and the whole reason that their next project is able to exist, it finally came out. Like they were being, they were being cagey about the whole thing. And the, the whole, the talk. It's got to be a grant, right? Well, no, it's just one rich guy who is into this stuff and is just <laughs> spending all this money Amazing. on it. Like, wow. the, like the guy that's in charge really? of it is just like, yep, we just had an angel investor and it was me. And crazy. I don't know. Maybe this was a super secret. Anybody was allowed to go to this talk. It was weird. They, they like set up all these candles and everybody was wearing robes and stuff like the <laughs> Just the presentation that they gave about yeah. it was in it. But it, like, I remember reading about Richard Garriott, just to bring this back around to video games, because I know how much you guys like Richard just Garriott. Just to bring it back to, to, the normal, <laughs> to the normal video <laughs> right. game talk. Like, this man yeah, like, with his crazy castle with, <laughs> yeah. like, four erect ships inside of it, whatever the fuck. He's in space now. Sure. He, he tried so, to sell that house. Did it not he sell? Spent, he basically spent all of his money going into space. Yep. And then Who would buy to- that house? That house looks well, like I think mist. He had trouble selling it. Yeah, you know it looked it looked really. It has like, dis- a, ne- it has like a neon it, blue library, but it looked disappointingly like a normal ass house from the outside, which is I think <laughs> why nobody would like none of the people who would be interested in the inside of that house were interested in the outside. I don't know. Definitely the other way around as well. <laughs> I saw John Romero at Disneyland. That was weird. Video games. <laughs> what? You saw Romero? Yeah, he was just there in line. It was really weird. Did Brenda, you say hi? Did you take uh, his shoes? Brenda Brathwaite? Yeah, they were just sort of like skipping past and then they stopped and they looked really happy. I was like, oh, there's John Romero. Did you say weird. hi? No. Nah, did you start listing weird. off I don't want to make maps weird. that he made. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't, yeah do you want him to? Whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I didn't want to. Yeah, Aww. anyway. But you were saying. No, but Gary, I just Frank used to. Frank Gary, I just right. thought about doing that. <laughs> anyway. God, if you just ripped up on your jacket and had a Dagatana yeah. t-shirt on right. your <laughs> Make me your bitch, John. Yeah. <laughs> you promised. <laughs> all those years ago. Just, you were right behind him. You just, can't say that in Disneyland because he just, oh, 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 and then you just immediately <laughs> suffocated and dragged away. <laughs> Through those tunnels underneath yep. trash cans. The best thing, if, uh, you're, if you were wearing a Dagatana t-shirt yeah. already for some reason, right. the best thing would be to do just go up to him and ask him for directions or something and sorry do you know where tomorrow oh i thought you worked here sorry i was yeah. like tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah 
Uh, and then you could say like, oh, I, maybe maybe I meant Fantasyland. And I think it's right. burn, but it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that actually means when talking yeah. to John Romero. Right. Eh, you know, it's something. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. Was, I don't know what died. I have no idea what died. Oh yeah, no, 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 I can't. I can't make it super. I'm just champing, yeah. champing at the bit about so. the Richard Gary story. He did these haunted houses at his at his house. Like, house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At his house, but it's like British's home at, at his manor. Yeah, it had a name. I don't remember the name. That would have been a good thing to say. Spooky house. Spooky house. Yeah, Gary Castle. Lord British's spooky. That house. is probably his next iPhone game, right? I mean, like yeah. that's probably like all those guys. He's probably Christ. making a social Man, game, the stuff or something. Yeah, no, he probably- did. He did, and it was it was tied into the, there was a um, Ernest, uh, Ernest Klein's book Ready Player One, which mm-hmm. was a little little bit of a nerd sensation for a while. Did this sort of arg where you could win a DeLorean and. You had to do all these video game challenges, and one of them was Gary. It's like bullshit social game oh, that no. was just like was Facebook it called Lord Gar- British's no, Gary House? It was. It was like it was the most boring. Like it was like Facebook garage sale tycoon. It was a game about like <laughs> going to garage sales and buying like real world objects. I think in the hope was that it like Lord British's garage sale. I don't think it was, but it you know th- we got a really big garage in Austin with hopefully all the best was, with all the best products. All designed around it. selling was, his stuff. Hopefully that yeah. Hopefully that game was yeah. secretly just a, yeah. like yeah. A, a, uh-huh. a GUI for a Craigslist thing yeah. that was yeah, yeah, yeah. his actual stuff. He <laughs> went to sell to replace yeah his, like lost fortune that he spent going into right. the Wait, you win and it just redirects you to craigslist <laughs> we saw him talk at like dragon con a couple years ago and he just flat out said he was like i am only interested in going to space so like video games are a way for me to make money to go to space that is a thing that i did once and that is all i know how to do and so if i'm gonna do anything i'm gonna make a video game make some money and then go back into space Anyway, he used to do these cool haunted house things, but then once he lost interest in it, he just stopped doing it because that kind of like immersive experience for people is just a crazy pain in the ass. And if you don't have like a guy with a bunch of money and a lot of enthusiasm for it, and as much as you can say that like Disneyland has this gross, crass commercial aspect to it, that is what allows it to exist, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, with- it definitely has that. But mm-hmm. and and actually. Um, I used to be more bothered by that than I am now, but at this point, I mean, it still kind of sucks a lot of time when you're there, but like, definitely it is outweighed for me by the like, well, there isn't a lot of other things like this. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, you just, if, you, if you're expecting it ahead of time and you know, like a shitty cheeseburger is going to cost $25 yeah. when I go in here and then it's like, ah, it's just part of, that's just part of the ticket price. I mean, Vegas does a lot of the same stuff, but it does a worse job. Yeah, but it's, and it but is Vegas way, is just way, through way grosser. Yeah, like, but, yeah. I don't like Vegas at all. I like I like <clears throat> Disneyland. Anyway, I'm a video game developer. <laughs> Vegas is also like a video game. You know what's weird? I know, but, it, but all, it's all the Vegas things is like about... Vegas is like a free-to-play video game. I can probably, Vegas yeah. is all the things about video games that I dislike. I can do a weird seg here, because right. I was playing SimCity recently... And uh, I find that I tend to recreate Las Vegas in SimCity every time really? I play. Like deliberately? Just because uh, like the, of who you are. Yeah. <laughs> just what I like. Uh, well, what do you like that makes you do that? Well, uh, like casinos? The, all of the assets that are created for um, like, a, uh, like landmarks tend to Sorry. be higher detail. And so you By end up SimCity, just, you yeah. mean? I mean, the, like you mean SimCity, SimCity 2012. SimCity, right? Yeah, SimCity, yes. the, the new. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or 2013, whatever that yeah. was. Yeah, um, 
but yeah, every 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 city I make in that game tends to tends to be Las Vegas because you can build the Eiffel Tower. You can build like the Eiffel Tower oh, sure, and yeah. like the Empire State Building. Right. No matter where you, you put them, them right. in the city, you're in like it's a, small a, enough. A, that it's it small enough like, that it just looks like yeah. Vegas. And then yeah. you run out of things to do. You build a casino, and then it's just oh god, I've inadvertently created Las Vegas again. Like yeah. there's just no getting away from it. Every time I make you a can city. build a casino and a stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I can't not do it. Anyway, I played the expansion of that game recently. What is the expansion? The expansion is a um, I forget what it's called actually, but it's is that the uh, Cities of Tomorrow. One? Cities of Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's basically just adds all of the stuff that was in SimCity 2000 at the end of it, <laughs> like arcologies and weird like future mm. towers and maglev trains and honestly, they I think. There are probably a lot of subtle fixes and tweaks to the underlying systems. I know they fixed a lot of the traffic problems. I know they fixed a lot of that stuff. So going back to that game was enjoyable up to a point. The expansion kind of fixes the end game. Like the the problem, one of the major problems with the original game was just you get to the end and it just the simulation completely broke down. Um, and the yeah, the expansion the expansion takes care of that. You that's actually. Cool. Um, it you know it by building these enormous um, towers, which you do in kind of like a sim tower fashion. You can build one layer, uh, one level, and then um, you sort of choose what the next level represents. Oh, cool. Like yeah, like it's a level two commercial thing or whatever. Oh, so you can actually it's do like mixed a, use buildings. Yeah, and like a sneaky oh, way of adding awesome. a lot more surface area. To yes, the game exactly. Because right? they're not going to ever increase the the size of the map. They've yeah. said they've come out and said we can't do this for whatever reason. Um, you can do I like guess. sky roads between upper levels too. Yeah, right? you can. Yeah, what? you can do all this crazy stuff. I want to play this now. <laughs> See, I didn't know anything about this expansion, and I was really uh, Why'd you tired. And it? because I was just like sad one day, and I was like, I need a game where I'm going to spend a lot of time. I'm sad, going and through. I want to do something I expect to be terrible. Well, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I just saw a screenshot of it, and I was like, I'm going to play SimCity again because I just want to play a Sim game. I'm going to sure, give it yeah. another shot. And then yeah, I saw yeah. on the landing page. I mean, EA just fucking bought me. They just, they just did the thing where they. Had an ad before I before I clicked on play and I went. Eh, yeah, see tomorrow. Interesting. interesting. Could yeah, be cool. Tomorrow. Well, and I read a review and it was not bad, so I I, I bought it. Um, but it's good. You, know, you can you can buy um, you can build maglev systems that sort of uh, are created um, using a a weird like um, it's like you uh, God. It's it's basically the same system that that bridges operate on, where you, you can sort of drag them around. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Um, but, but they, they sort of naturally get dropped in over, um, streets and there's also this weird, I forget the name of the, the term, but that's awesome. Um, Cause I really, I missed that a lot. Like yeah. having that. Well, so there, there are two like things that are really nice that they did. One is that if you're it's playing like cities of tomorrow is basically just what a normal city is now. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know what's weird? Buildings with more than one kind of thing in them. Like, when I was driving... Public transportation lines that coexist yeah. with the road. Like, I mean, yeah. I guess... SimCity, I have a really already. strange relationship with SimCity because I feel like, one, I learned about a lot of things playing the original SimCity games, and it was weird for me driving to Disneyland and just observing how many wind turbines exist in the world now and just recognizing oh, that... you drove in, down? Yeah, and just recognizing that in SimCity 2000 in 1993, there were probably like six in the United States, but in that game, you could just drop them everywhere, and now that's just what we live in, is just right. as yeah, many wind turbines yeah. as we can possibly make. But, um, yeah, the game's really good. It's nice because you don't have to build any of the uh, future stuff, um, and the game sort of retains the same... Um, uh, aesthetic as the you know the vanilla game will will, right. it will nothing already, actually will really change until you place the first future building and then sort of around that it slowly spreads um, future gentrification fu- occurs like, yeah, yeah yeah it will like all the all the cars turn to smart cars uh, just slowly funny, as it spreads out um 
And, uh, you know, there are other changes. Is there any new music for that stuff? Yeah, and it's good. It's really good. It sounds like they just laid in a future track. The way the the music layering works in that game was was one of those, like, everything about that game is so good. Yeah, they layered in, like, a future, like, baseline into it and into a lot of that stuff. And then I think there are a couple new tracks. There was a separate Um, soundtrack for it for sale when I searched for the soundtrack. Well, that's Chris Tilton who did that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Right, but, uh, I don't know if you did the expansion too. Yeah, but. it's cool though. I, I mean, when did, you yeah. place that first building, it's just all of a sudden it just slowly shifts into the thing. It's like exactly the kind of transition you would want. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, once no, you I, get I like, to play this now. once you get like five of those enormous towers, and then you go to another city and you observe the like, because you know in the game how they're like there's sort of like, like region plots. There's the like uh, tilt shift photography of the out of focus oh when you see a future city, just like. These enormous gargantuan towers from the distance and that tilt shifted thing—it's fucking phenomenal. Like it looks like a shot out of, I don't know, like a like a Spielberg sci-fi film. Like from you know, like just seeing like an enormous. Yeah, yeah. it's like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek where you see the yeah right. Like they're in uh you know like Kentucky and you just see an enormous thing like far off in the distance. I don't know. It's really good. Um, That's cool. I would recommend checking it out. Actually, man, you were the most out of all of us. You were the most initially down on mm-hmm. the new Sim City because yeah. we well, because we were like enamored with that demo, yeah, yeah. and you were just like, "This is gonna suck." Yeah, the, demo, will... the demo was so great. Yeah, oh, the demo was great. But you, yeah. you were the one who sussed it out. I did. I sniped it. But I will caveat <laughs> this uh, recommendation with the. Um, with the, uh, with I've the, only played forty minutes of it. No, I, I I played it to to its conclusion in in you know in terms of satisfaction, but it was only like three hours ish, and then it, it still and eventually you build as many levels of a tower as you can sustain. You build all of the future buildings, and then you're just kind of like, well, I'm gonna just do this again in another city plot. And the right, problem right. is. You know, they still haven't en- enlarged the size of the plots that you can, you know, mess around with. So you, and you yeah. can't connect cities to other cities. It's still like, ugh. At the end of the day, it still is. Fr- you get to the end and you're just frustrated that they, that the game right. is right, not right. as, you know. Well, you can connect them to other cities like systemically, right? Like you can, yeah. you can have one yeah, city still, that does all of your water treatment that, and stuff. But it's still, yeah. it's, like, still right, it's like, like a bunch like of little, little yeah. squares. Asynchronous, yeah. Uh, weird <laughs> it stuff. It feels more tenuous than right. I, I, you'd want it to, you yeah. know. Is it at least yeah. like stable in terms of being able to play it without the, yeah. They're also bringing it in offline oh, right. mode. They did, yeah, right. They yeah. Offline mode is coming in like the next month or something like that. So that's that's good. But I mean, um, it's just about at the point where you don't need it anymore because they've actually yeah. got their shit together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's I haven't had any problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also probably true. I mean, it's too late for them to save any uh, face by doing that. I mean, it's got to yeah. just be because they don't want to pay to run the servers anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's at the point now where you can well, just I mess think around. They're probably the also hoping it'll juice sales a bit if they can make it splash PR wise. Yeah. There are worse places to be than having an expansion pack that someone likes a lot, that people are enjoying, yeah. and then also having that paired with turning off the thing yeah, I've sure. heard the most. I just wonder if the kind of people who are – the kind of people who were really like, oh, why don't they give this an offline mode are actually going to buy it. Yeah, that a it lot has of those people are probably There's not a lot of like, They probably won't yeah. buy it, but I'll bet the first time somebody makes a really good mod for SimCity that can be played in offline mode, then people will buy it. Like it'll be mm. the it'll be the weird thing. Are people like, going to – oh, somebody made this crazy thing. How Look, moddable do you think this game is? Uh, I don't know. I guess I, we'll find out when – Well, given EA that, says it is very moddable. Given that people – already modded in offline mode unofficially as a hack yeah. like a year ago i imagine people are going to be able to fuck with this thing yeah. a reasonable amount when there's yeah. no server required but it sounds like it'll be fairly modable but i have no idea yeah um yeah this is a dumb question but it's not actually how much is the cities of tomorrow expansion i think it's 20 dollars. okay yeah that's not the worst it's not the worst it's not the i worst. mean I'm a person who got so excited about SimCity that I paid mm. 60 bucks for the super deluxe, Me like, too. wacky. <laughs> Me too. But yeah. the thing is, 
that was that was now so long ago. Yeah, right. That hearing that I can pay yeah. twenty dollars to right. have an enjoyable, like, well, decent chunk of hours. I don't. I'm not expecting like. Yeah. My expectation is not set. It's at, not Civ Five level, but it's like you right. can you can just play, knowing that I could yeah, spend yeah. twenty dollars now and have multiple hours of enjoyable SimCity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems kind of worth it to me. Yeah. I would have to reinstall Origin and I'd have to reinstall SimCity. Yep. Because I, I did erase those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also got excited about it and bought it, the deluxe edition, right when it came out. And I would describe my experience with it as like a few hours of sort of disappointing play of yeah. something that's like, it's all right. I've definitely spent $60 I, I actually, on worse games than this. That, like, well, yeah. yeah. I had a weird yeah, yeah. Exper- My experience with it was weird in that I played it for way longer than I would play almost any other game that I was disappointed in. Yes. I kept wanting it. <laughs> yeah. I kept hoping that I would turn yeah. the corner and well, like be like, finally, I got all three of my right. cities firing. Right. All, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never well, did. The nice thing yeah. is that Cheetah mode is in now, so you can actually speed through some... Like, if you just want to play around with this right. kind of city, you right. can just hit yeah. the Cheetah button and see if it works. Um, so there's a lot more of, like, experimentation like that you can run something. through. Yeah. 8x time. Um, so I did some, like, goofy things, like, just made a complete bullshit mining town and then built a future city on top of the revenue off of all of that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot more. That's that, the, that, that was the only thing way I was ever... the thing I liked. Uh, actually, that was the part I liked about the... Yeah. Having your all-industrial town of miserable people who fed yeah. your affluent yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, oh, stuff that was, was cool. delicious. Well, what's great <laughs> is that I had, like, you know, the oil uh, derricks and everything going on, and then... Just built the sort of like there are two variants of the uh, tower um, structures. They're like low rent, uh, less future, like more Blade Runnery um, style, and then there's like the high future um, uh, aesthetic. And so like the mining town next to just the like cheap apartment uh, mega tower, like oh man, it's so good. It actually like it does. It is satisfyingly. It blends together pretty well. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like. Maybe with the crazy future tower stuff, I can actually aesthetically justify my purchase of like the ability to just put in like Versailles and yeah. the Rondesmonts of Paris. <laughs> no, like, that was the best because I can slam that shit in now, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then also have big fat towers coming out of it, and that's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Having having uh, the shift F U N D work in this game. <laughs> Can I just cheat myself a pretty looking city? Well, if you build a mining town and earn like ten million dollars, which is what I did, you can just gift millions of dollars. That's true. I can cities. just exploit people yeah. in my shitty, just concentric yeah, yeah, rings yeah. of oil derricks next mm-hmm. to bad houses. Yep. Okay. Yep. Anything is possible. It's good. I don't. Know. I would check it out. Cool. I'm so surprised that you enjoyed a bunch of SimCity. I was that really coming from Nick Brecken. Here's the thing: I was in a dark a place, so maybe it's actually just shit. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's probably not a case. Anything. But there's, but, there's a but, decent but, chance that that like I think our expectations and a lot of people's expectations, by and large, yeah. for the 2013 SimCity, yeah, are not uh-huh. high. Yeah. So it's it's easy to be surprised. Yeah. Maybe by SimCity. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not hating this anymore. Is a is a is a, a very um, high. I actively thing. enjoyed it for the amount of time that I played. The that's the best. That's that's yeah. all I can say. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Games. Mm-hmm. You guys, want to take a break? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to our sponsor, Hover, an excellent domain name registration service. Visit Hover.com and use the promo code REMO, R-E-M-O. That's you. For, it is me. For 10% off your domain name registrations. Um, we uh, Last time we, we were sponsored by Hover, we asked people to um, let us know if they'd registered any uh, website domains 
using our promo code, and it turns out a bunch of people did. Um, so I'm just going to call it a couple, um, some particularly good and stupid ones. Um, Richard Portzak writes, Hello there, I've registered these Idle Thumbs joke domains through Hover. <laughs> PotatoDay.net and LeagueOfLegendsToday.net, both of which go to the Dota Today uh, podcast website, so that's good. Um, he also registered his own personal domains through it as well. Um, he, he also says, he says, keep up the great work, Richard. P.S. Hover is the best. So keep that in your brain. Um, Tristan writes, hey, Thumbs, you convinced me to get an account on Hover.com, and it's totally rad. So as a thank you, I purchased the website www.everybodylovesbrecken.com. <laughs> I didn't, he didn't want to actually make a website for it, so it just goes to idlethumbs.net. <laughs> so it just goes to Nick's old live journal. Yeah. Right. Uh, please listen to our podcast at everybodylovesbrecken.com. Yeah. Oh, man. So I have one more, which is dumb. But I, uh, a guy on the, fo- I got on the forums for last, the last Hover episode said that he went to Hover to try and register questions at idlethumbs.net, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S-A-T, idlethumbs.net. But then he was stymied by it because Hover told him that someone else had already bought it. Um, <laughs> so that was good. Um, but also, if you go, if you type in questions at idlethumbs.net, it's a Hover Yeah, so someone, did, so someone, someone actually did it with Hover. So. Um, you can still get questions at idlethumbs.net. Or .com. Who cares? Okay, sure. Um, also, one ridiculous thing is that last week – or not last week, but the last time that Hover sponsored uh, an episode, which was a couple weeks ago, I pointed out that we used it to get the domain names for our new game. And then, like an idiot, I just said the name of our domain or of our of our game on the ad, and we bleeped it out. But during the break, I just logged in and checked one checkbox that censored all that information from anyone ever actually reverse looking it up, and that was really really convenient. So thanks to that, also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Exactly. To that point, like on a more serious note, Hover is actually the company we use and have used before they sponsored us um, to register all of our domains, and they're so much more user-friendly than any other service I've used for that. That it's kind Yeah, of their tech support's good. The interface is good. It doesn't yeah. feel like you're going to get ripped off. It doesn't feel like uh, weird scam-related activities are going to happen related <laughs> yeah. to someone reverse engineering your Twitter username. Like, and just, <laughs> is making the record private really just a checkbox instead of like a subscription? Service? Yeah, they don't, there's no charging or anything. Huh. You just press a button wow. and it goes That's away. That's a significant improvement over every other registrar <laughs> I've ever used. This sounds like this is amazing. Thing, it's actually not. You can't tell me <laughs> that's true. No, this is actually a real well, problem. It was very nice to be able to just press a button and have um, things happen. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, hover.com, use the promo code REMO, R-E-M-O, you get 10% off. Yeah, off new domains. Off new domains, yes. So get some sweet new domains. Thanks. Oh, and let us know if you do it. Questions at idlethumbs.net. The email address, yes. not the website. <laughs> uh, thanks, Hover. All right, thanks. Video games. www.thekingdomofloathing.com takes you to www.thekingdomofloathing.com, which... Play casino game, online game, Whoa, the kingdom, computer weird. game, <laughs> free online game, England, play game, car game, PC game, fun game. <laughs> Man. So I Oh, oh right. I did register that and make the site that you just read. <laughs> I forgot about that. Like, England, play game, got, car game, <laughs> PC game, fun game. I forgot about it because I was trying to sell all that real estate in Australia for some fucking reason. Video game.
Okay, we're back. Good, good guys. I figured out a way to bring up Spelunky. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, okay, you're right, though, because uh, last week I talked a lot about my experiences so far in A Link Between Worlds. I haven't actually mm, had a chance to play I it. I started playing that a little bit. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah, um, it's really good. Because I played it. I've been, you know, I just started getting into the Dark World, which is admittedly, I think, from what a lot of people have been saying online, not far enough to really, like... The Dark World, which is fucking called Low Rule. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. Is it really? Oh, it's like Dad Joke the Game. It's yeah. You know, there is zero love for Dad when it comes to to Low Rule. More like No Rule is what I accidentally (laughs) said just now, then said it for real. Um, I am also the dad in question. Anyway, whatever. Um, Fuck everyone. a A fair number of people said, you're a fucking idiot for a lot of the stuff you said last week. And I... They didn't actually say that. They actually just said, I kind of see where you're coming from, but here's my experience playing the game. And it was very different for a lot of people, including you, Zach. Uh, yeah. Because we were talking about this in the office last week. You had talked about what the value was of the the rental system. And it what I when I played the game, what I was kind of thinking about was, like, imagining how they got to where they were. And I think that the decision to, like, separate the items from the dungeons was super good because rather than having a, you go into the dungeon and then you have to solve one puzzle to get to the item and then you use that item to solve the rest of the puzzles in the dungeon, the dungeon is just centered on the what half. you do with this one item. It is just the second half. And that does like a bunch of different cool things at the same time. It makes the dungeons way smaller, way more focused on what you're trying to do. And it makes it so – like even when I've tried to replay A Link to the Past recently, not having played it enough times to have it totally memorized, like if I walked away in the middle of playing a dungeon, I would come back and just be kind of lost. Because at any point when you're in one of those sort of traditional style dungeons, half of the stuff in there is either not accessible to you or half of the stuff is like not. It's it's part of the first puzzle and you're on the second. You know, it's it's part of finding the thing and you're on the finding the boss, or it's part of finding the boss and you're on the finding the thing. And in this one, because the item comes from outside, like the dungeons are just a lot more focused on what they are, which is puzzles about a specific thing, like puzzles using a specific game mechanism. I think that they wouldn't have wanted to just make all of the items trivially available for like no money in the beginning because then that would feel sort of cheap but making them super expensive i think would kind of feel like gating in a way that felt really artificial it was like all right in order for you to get the bow and arrow to go into this first dungeon you need to go like grind out a thousand rupees and i don't think they wanted it to feel like it's a game where getting the getting the treasure for like you, you like solve a puzzle in a cave, and it's like oh, a hundred rupees. And instead of being like ah oh, crap, it's just rupees. I don't care about this. It's like oh, a hundred rupees. That like gets me closer to owning the item that I want instead of having to like go back and buy it again every time I die. But like I was thinking about how like in Spelunky getting money. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. In Spelunky getting money feels good, and it's because you can only use it to like make your experience better. Right. It's not there is never a point where it's like, all right, you cannot progress in the game unless you have four hundred dollars or five thousand dollars. Oh, I see. Right. So it's never it's it it isn't a thing that like makes you resent it as a mechanic because it doesn't feel like gating. It just feels like a system. And I think that the there's one exception to that that I'll bring up. But go ahead. The shortcut guy or. Oh. Don't try to guess. Just oh, keep going. No, sorry. Well, yeah. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. I want to hear your point. Sure, sure. No, but I, but I think that like the way that. A Link Between Worlds, I can't even think of the name of it. The way that it did it, I think, Zelda. ended up being a little weird. The rental thing feels a little weird, but I think that they they got to that from a good place because they did 
from the accounts of everybody that I've talked to about this, they've like made a game in which collecting rupees feels pretty good. Like it feels like you're being rewarded with something when you find some money. And I don't, that has not traditionally been a thing in Zelda games. Like even the first one where there was a lot of stuff that was like, just, you know, you can afford to buy the candle. And so this opens up all these other things. Like you can afford to buy bombs and it opens up all these other things. It took like the, the amount of rupees that you could carry was 255. So like it just didn't take very long. Like you sort of always had enough. It never, except for a handful of like really optional things, it never felt like a thing that was a really meaningful goal to like, you know, th- there was a certain point at which you didn't have any. And then there was a certain point at which you had the maximum amount. So it might as well have not been a system in that. And I think that the rental thing combined with, expensive like final purchases of the items and a bunch of places where you could get a bunch of rupees resulted in like a really satisfying set of systems that you could engage with all at all at once instead of like this just had like this has rupees because Zelda games have rupees and mm-hmm. not for any real reason. A lot of people also have told me that the actual bulk of the dungeons in the dark world are ones that you can get a People have said their experience differed very much from their friends in terms of the order in which they completed them and some of the methods that they used. Did you find that to be the case as well or not? I didn't talk to a whole lot of people about the ordering, but it like the ordering was more or less random because you just right. go to the... I mean, I guess if you rented all the items and always had all the items with you all the time, then you were going to just go to whatever dungeon you got to right. next, which... And even like the rest of the stuff, it's it's not really gated in the link to the past way because like you just find the thing that lets you pick up rocks but you don't need the thing that lets you pick up rocks because the wall thing lets you just go around them right so it's like so and I, you know a link to the past was pretty open to begin with like just going back and trying to play that critically like where can i go at any given point in the game it's like surprisingly broad in terms of the amount of yeah you can like get on death mountain pretty early yeah yeah. like and there's you can go to a lot of places and it's it isn't until you get to like very end terminals where there's actually like you know sort of new game verbs hidden that it starts to lock you off um you know but in this one you just go there like it's not locked at all right after the dark world starts at least so we're gonna say so i was the thing i was gonna say about splunky is that so i it's an interesting point you make for sure about the um uh, about money being sort of an additive thing rather than like a gate. The, the only exception to that really is – so it's one of the th- things that's cool about Spelunky is that just all through it there are weird, like deliberately very obscure, hidden um, uh, items and like processes you use that you carry out with those items that like open up like long-term secret locations and stuff, including hell, the kind of secret fifth world of the game. There's the, like you can one, only the get to sort of one secret path through yeah, it. Yeah, that you like requires right, like, you getting all four of these weird items and like doing these specific things and so on. But I mean, at a certain point, like when you've reached a certain level of play, that just becomes a default thing you're going to yeah, attempt like that's, to do. That's just every the game. game like, yeah, you. and the the one of the steps of that is to get to this secret shop, the black market, and then acquire this item, the Ankh, which you use later. The Ankh costs 50,000 gold, um, which is really the only thing in the game that, like, let's, I'm just going to assume for the purpose of the discussion that, like, getting to hell is now just what the game is. Because I think at a certain point, uh, again, after you've played the game enough, it just, that it just becomes what the new path in the game is, is you want to get to hell. So you're always going to try and do that. And to do that, you, th- 
ostensibly need to spend 50,000 gold, which does become like, at least on its face, like a hard monetary gate that feels very different than like, than the sort of just additive nature of money that the game otherwise has. But what that means then is that like ripples out into an, like a further kind of default right, play, which is play style, yeah. which is just, okay, you, well, you I'm just going to murder all the shopkeepers the yeah. in the black market so I can just pick up the Ankh without buying it. That's like the, the sort of like double pro, like the, the next like big difficulty gate. Right, exactly. Like, and that's it, an even more meta. That's like a meta thing, whereas the, like the secret path is codified into the game design, but the stealing the Ankh from the, from the black market, that's entirely a meta strategy. Like, not to say that people couldn't just all independently come up with it on themselves if they played the game enough, but... There's nothing in the game system that codifies that. That's just it. Just it's sucks just, to have to so, collect yeah. fifty thousand gold and then lose it all just to get this item that I have to get anyway. But the systems so, do kind of inevitably go in that direction, right? Because it's like, well, I can either get essentially every power up in the game for free by robbing the black market, or I can spend all well, of sometimes. My, sometimes you don't. Some, like yeah. one of the cool things about the game to me is that because it's all randomly generated based on a seed. Um, sometimes the stuff in the black market just isn't that desirable. Yeah, or sometimes it's you like already have stuff it all. You already have like, most yeah. of it. And so at that point, you're taking this huge risk of robbing for very little payout other than this item that you basically need anyway. So at that point, it doesn't feel like you're getting anything. Like when you get the Ankh, it doesn't feel like you're getting something because it's like you're going to have to get right. you're you're like, this is just, it. Of course, of course I um, bought this because it's, it's not like it's... But I realized also uh, several days ago... Sorry. Sorry we're talking about this. <laughs> what did we allow to happen? <laughs> Okay. Hey, God forbid you talk Let about video games on this podcast. Next point and then I'll, hey. then I'll fucking stop, okay? So I was I realized last week um, that at this point, like I've played this game so much that a lot of the game is routine to me, but I still really enjoy it every single time I play. Like I never I never don't enjoy playing Splunky ever, but in particular, the black market is the thing that I still that still like really has like my emotions are heightened as as I like begin the like shopkeeper murder run. Well, this is the first like hard thing that you do. It's not just that. Point. I was thinking about this. It's also the only thing that you know is a risk. Everything else in Spelunky, it's like it could be a risk. Like the things on the screen are like perceptible. Like every that that game is a simulation, but it, the parts of the simulation are all very simple and comprehensible once you've played the game enough and you know what all the pieces are. And so you're like, well, I can basically piece out what's going to happen if I trigger this trap. Like the arrow's going to like fall over here and hit the spider and the spider is going to fall right. and like you stop like this accidentally getting hit by arrows when you're standing in the wrong place when you right. trigger a you trap still make those like dumb that. mistakes like, eventually but, but it's because you just slipped up mainly yeah. you know not because you like your your brain was unable to comprehend it and you miscalculate things still sometimes too but it's but on the black market you go into it knowing just crazy shit's gonna happen right. and it's gonna be totally like you're bonkers. about to trigger the most chaotic thing yeah. that there is the most right. like fast paced right. and unpredictable right. thing that there is yeah and, and I, I, wonder, I just i love that i like it's such a crazy feeling and it's, like it's on great. the arc of a serious spelunky players like daily challenge career i'm guessing that there is like there tends to be a moment where it's like the first time you get to hell on the daily challenge and then after that there are just death after death after death after death in the jungles because you suddenly are like all right well i guess i'm robbing the black market on every single daily challenge right yeah, yeah because yeah. that's the you know but <laughs> at this point i die more frequently because i just make a dumb mistake in the mines or something my runs have been either like i die somewhere between like one three and two three or i like make it to Olmec or hell it's like it's very little in between it's bizarre anyway we can stop talking about splunky jake We're it's done. actually interesting but it just gets so off into I space know, that know, like I if know. you haven't 
at least yeah. watch the double not playthroughs to internal, the game, internalize yeah, the yeah. vocabulary. It's just fucking nuts. Yep. So, Nick, I hear you've been playing the new Zelda game. Huh? Uh, I mean, <laughs> not enough to talk about it. I, I, sorry if I implied that I had... Uh, I'm looking forward to playing it now that you guys talked about it, though. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. That was, I didn't know that that's what you were banking on. I would have warned you. I, I would have if that was going to be. I thought either you were going to have. I, I thought you were either going to talk about Spelunky because Nick's got something very important to say. You were either going to have. Go ahead. Something to say. Or, <laughs> or this would happen. Or this yeah. would happen. So either way, I, I win. <laughs> Do you think you're going to keep playing the Zelda game, Jake? Yes. Yeah. It's everybody that I talk to who plays it is like, yep, this is the first Zelda game in 15 years that I've actually played through to the end. Like, it's... I they, they obviously did something right. I played Wind Waker all the way through. That was the probably... Zelda, Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and this are probably the only Zelda games that I'm going to complete. Although yeah. Wind Waker was almost 10 years ago. Now, yeah. I guess. Did you ever play any of the Game Boy ones? Or any I, of the weird... The, off- God, uh, Oracle the, of whatever and stuff? No, the well, first fan, game... Phantom Hourglass. That was, first, the first original Game Boy game was incredible. Oh, Link's, oh, Link's Awakening? Link's Awakening. Yeah. Oh, I like that was the what? First, that was the first Zelda game I ever had. Oh, that game is I never so had good. A, that was basically the, that's the one that was the sequel to Link to the Past. I think is is the the shtick because it was Zelda sort then Link of, to the yeah, Past yeah. and Link's Awakening. Well, it's the one yeah. that had all the same art and all that. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure in the actual in the uh, whatever fucking Skyward Sword canon of the three Zelda verses. Well, <sighs> Link's Awakening is just a dream. The whole game is a dream sequence. Well, Spoilers, Jesus, man. Oops. <laughs> he awakens. Yes. <sighs> That, that was a the link awakens. A link awakens. Oh, that that's Halo Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's the marketing campaign we're going to get when Nintendo finally puts their content out on Xbox One. Right. An ancient <laughs> Link awakens. Ancient Link's link awakening. Awakens. Yeah. It'll probably. Phantom Hourglass was pretty good. I the played a lot of it, but I just never 3DS, got. I never yeah. got through it. A lot of people didn't like the like central dungeon that you had to keep going through over and over again with slight variations on your abilities each time. But huh. I don't know. I thought it was cool. I'm glad that in this one you can just move around by moving. That sounds Majora's Masky. I never got into that game, even though Me everyone neither. So many people say it's, that game is. Yeah. A good people didn't get into what Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask. Oh, I never it's played the that. Thing. One. It's. I mean, it's like you know, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask are like Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints, right? Like people who know about <laughs> music, people who are ten years older than you guys, and I'm an asshole and know about music will be like, oh no, Rhythm of the Saints, super good, and Graceland is just. Pedestrian bullshit for babies. Like, Graceland no way. Is like Nick Brecken's right favorite album. Graceland. So you're, you're, Graceland. You're you're no, no, no. What I'm saying is Graceland is obviously the best fucking album, and anybody oh. who says that Majora's Mask I or see. Rhythm of the Saints is better than I that. I was like, about to jump across this table. You are yeah, like, you're, no, it's like there was about being, yeah, that silence was actually just analogy confusion. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, no what, I, what I'm saying is like, like, oh God, what's another example? Like, and okay, this one is actually going to piss you guys off. Like Pinkerton. I don't fucking like Pinkerton. Oh, I like Pinkerton. Like, the, uh, that's fine. The the first Weezer album is real fucking good, and Pinkerton just couldn't listen to it. Same with Majora's Mask, and same with Rhythm of the Fucking You're just Saints. describing taste being different. <laughs> no, it is a very specific mechanism by which people who are very evenly divisible into two separate categories operate in specific arenas. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Simon albums, Weezer albums, and Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, man. I mean, I do know from having enough conversations with you about various things, I think in a lot of the ways... Your taste is shitty. Yeah, you know, I, think, I think we often fall on the other end of the, of the divide you're describing. Sure, yeah. Just between the two of us. 
Which is interesting because you're like a thoughtful person, so it's always like I you're not an wild. idiot. So that's right. <laughs> no, yeah, I it was like, because you don't look like the but biggest just, dipshit in the world, so I don't I understand what. Well, because the way you're describing it now is just like is hilarious, but like. You know. No, I mean, it's just one of those things where I feel like – God, I had a conversation with Sean earlier today. I was like, oh, well, maybe if I was smarter, I would know that I shouldn't like this thing that I like. But like Majora's Mask was so aggravating in a way that I can I can imagine – like I can imagine hearing a bunch of interesting stories about somebody playing Majora's Mask. Like I can understand a bunch yeah. of interesting stories about what was going on while they were recording Rhythm of the Saints and how important it was in the political landscape of the moment. But like – I'd rather listen to Graceland, and I'd rather play Ocarina of Time. Like, but I mean, that's but that huge moon. This is pretty good. Some people are different about this kind of thing, right? Like, I like God. We're we're really getting off the beaten path here, but like, God, possibly. When does that happen on this episode? Possibly my favorite Pink Floyd album is the Final Cut, which nobody fucking likes. Like, it's just not. It's well, I don't know. I mean, Dark Side of the Moon is probably the best one, and probably ultimately my favorite. But like. The one I've listened to the most is the final cut, and it's the weirdest one. It's basically like a Roger Waters solo album, but it's just it's like raw as hell and like weirdly naked. And there's just something about that that I find very magnetic and constantly fascinating. And I'll, I'm like, I will listen to that thing for fucking ever. But like, you're ne- if you were making a list of like the best Pink Floyd albums, you'd never be able to find like a committee of people that would put it on it. And like, I don't. But that I, doesn't matter like how many times you say that. I'm not gonna ever change my mind about just liking it more and it's not it's not like a like an academic opinion that i'm like i think this one is like the most complex and it's like no i actually just do like listening to it more but i recognize most people wouldn't but like i just that's so, just it. so that's by just this is, test right? you should get a goddamn majora's mask cartridge and play it because it yeah, yeah, might be your favorite what happens. like maybe yeah. it, it's interesting to me because when there are really like crisp divides like that i think that that's probably drawing attention to interesting things to think and talk about about the specific works that are being compared oh for sure and definitely that's you know that's absolutely the case. like i think so that, you're yeah. saying majora's mask sucks <laughs> <laughs> no i'm saying yoshi's island sucks that's the i'm just making sure this is my last appearance we got to you'll have to just come back on a later episode to talk about why yoshi's island sucks and why you're an idiot <laughs> okay. I can talk about both of those things at great length. <laughs> I can see why you would say Yoshi's Island sucks. Sure. It's an easy game for babies. <laughs> Yoshi's Island is super fucking hard, and I don't understand why anyone likes it. Okay. Are we going to actually do this or are we not? Because we could do this later. I think yeah. the challenge level of Yoshi's Island is very low, and I think it's very pretty. Wow. Whereas okay. you think it's hard and ugly. No. Like, I, so I played Yoshi's Island for, like, an hour, and I could not get past the first place where there were fucking fireballs. Weird. I beat, I beat that whole game. So what you're I'm saying is we should at some point live stream Yoshi's Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, let's do it. That'd be really fun. Yeah. That'd be really good, actually. When we get God, we should do that. We should do a stream series where we find two of us who are on the complete opposite sides of these Zach's weird divides. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And when then we... just have one person screaming the whole time. Sure. No, no, wrong, <laughs> bad, wrong, Graceland. <laughs> um, when we get internet that will let us stream at a higher resolution than 320 sure. by 200. Is um, there any way to legally stream Yoshi's Island at this point? Yeah, you plug a yeah. Super Nintendo into a capture card yeah, and stream okay. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, have a, um, we have a video-based capture card on the Thumbs computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do it. 
Nintendo's. I mean, I don't think Nintendo likes it when you stream their games. I think they, if you're streaming, like <laughs> they, 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 they generally don't. But they don't like when they, you do anything with their games. They feel that you streaming their games is you stealing their game, which is very confusing yeah. to me. Yeah, I mean, they tried to get those all those fucking Smash Brothers. Get Smash Brothers out of Evo. They, like, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah. Oh my god! They anyway. stopped doing that though. Yeah, but they still yeah, only after people scream. Like, well, yeah, upload, they kept trying. Yeah. 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 Anyway, whatever. Reader mail. Oh sure. Mail from you, the readers, from you, Nick Brecken. Zach Johnson writes, Yoshi's Island sucks. Yoshi's Island's a fat piece of shit. Uh, first Listen to Video is... Game Hot Dog. Graceland I'm going to call it Video Game shitty. Hot Dogs. <laughs> no, I, asshole. Hey, that's what I disagree with. I'm going to yell at what, that what? guy. Uh, the, guy that the guy that doesn't like Graceland. I'm yelling at him. Oh, He wrote in. He didn't write in. What? No. Uh, Jesse Thamer writes, uh, on Banner Saga and Story, hey, Thumba Doodle Baboos, hmm. Long-time pod blast receptacle, first-time shitty email writer. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Register all of those domains. Um, I completely understand your issues with the Banner Saga being lore-heavy, and you want to just get to the next battle. But I wonder if the fact that Chris and Sean were playing together might have soured the dialogue parts a bit. I approach this game like I would uh, reading a novel. I sit with a large mug of coffee, get as comfortable as possible, and get prepared to be sucked into the world. I had no problems following the story. I have a love for some characters which makes me sad if they die. I hate it for others which makes me wish they would, and I can't wait to see where it's going. I feel like if I were to play this with someone else, I would not be able to follow it, just like trying to read a book while having a conversation. I'm not saying that the writing's incredible, but it's closer to a novel than most video game dialogue I've read. It's like an old choose-your-own-adventure book. To be honest, I didn't even know the game had a turn-based combat system for a while during development, but I did know from the beginning that it was a story and lore-based experience with incredible art, and my god, that map. Um... I must point to the criticism of not knowing who you are at the start is valid. I was very confused for a while as well. But it's not true that you make decisions from the perspective of other characters during a given chapter. Every dialogue choice you make is from the mouth of the same person until the next chapter when you are someone else. Okay, well then that, that indicates what we were confused about. Um, the problem is it doesn't always show your character on screen during these choices, sometimes showing the person you're talking to, which is likely a poor choice. It's easy enough to figure out if you've been paying attention to the dialogue, but I understand why you might not have been doing so. Um, this email is pretty much useless and is me saying, Dur, I like the thing you didn't, but there it is. Have a wonderful day, Jesse Thamer. Um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's a, so yeah, I think that's one, a really good point, which is that we weren't probably playing the game in the ideal situation to, um, experience something that is very text heavy. Although I, I did and I had the same reaction. I, no. Yeah, I, exactly. I want to add the thing that I think we might not have like properly communicated when we talked about it last week, which is that both Sean and I had actually played this game. Like for a while on our own before we played it together. Basically, the reason we played it together is because Sean kind of wanted a sanity check on the opinions he'd already formed about the game, and so I went over to his house and we played it together. Um, but he, but that was coming from a point of having already played it. Um, I'll also say that I probably this game would have had an uphill battle for me on the fiction stuff to begin with because I already just don't really enjoy stuff that's like super plot heavy and like tons of characters like explicating political situations and like lots of details unless it's historically based or is about the british spy industry (laughs) well yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i will say that i i actually don't like most historical fiction to be honest which is why um i was so amazed at how much i loved wolf hall by hillary mantel but i i think hillary mantel is like an i'm convinced now after having read a couple of her books, she's actually just a genius. And like, I, I could read a ton of other historical fiction and not ever be as into it as I was that. Like, that book was, is like an extraordinary accomplishment. That book and its sequel, Bring Up the Bodies. Like, that, it's an, an amazing, amazing work of historical fiction. Um, but I, I am not generally drawn to that stuff, actually. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I I I, I have noticed in response to our episode last week, there are a lot of people who indicated that one of the reasons they were so excited about this game was because they kind of got sold on the, the fiction and the world and the characters because that like I guess a lot of that was highlighted during the Kickstarter campaign, which in is total that totally valid. Like that makes a lot of sense. And my experience was just I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff, which maybe is my fault. I don't know. But I was I knew of this game as a turn based strategy game first and foremost. So that was I had been primed for the last like eighteen months or however long it was since I backed the Kickstarter. Um, I guess that was just the thing that appealed to me because I'm not like a fantasy fiction guy. Like I just don't enjoy that stuff yeah. in the first place. So to me, the thing I latched onto is like one, it's beautiful. That was true, and I still feel that way. Um, also, it's a turn based strategy game, and I, I like those a lot. And I did like that part of the game. Yeah. Um, so there were the parts of the game that I was like excited about, and as it turns out, I really liked those parts. Then there was the part that I guess I just didn't even realize was there, and I just there's, didn't really like it. There's a lot going on in that game. There's just a lot of different they put right, and it, and it just for me, it just yeah, I had the same reaction where, it, it, particularly with, with games like that, I find that I'm playing it for a specific reason. Like yeah, I've, I same, and same and I tend to just by extension cut out the parts of the game that I'm not playing it for. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the detriment of, I think, the dialogue stuff, I didn't, you know, that, that stuff to me was not the stuff that I, I came for, expected, or really, at the end yeah. of the day, enjoyed as much as the other stuff. Therefore, I'm just clicking through it. And right. that happens to me in a lot of games. Well, and So I don't really, f- I mean, I don't know. Yes, it's a weird, it's a weird byproduct yeah, that was, of like the hybrid felt, sort of yeah. experience. And like, I, I'm the exact same way, which is why I actually felt kind of bad about our discussion last week. Yeah. Because if I hadn't been talking about it with someone who already felt the same way I did about that stuff, I probably just wouldn't have talked about it. I would have just talked about the stuff that I liked and just maybe made a comment about not being crazy about the fiction, but that would have been it. Because that's like how I would talk about XCOM, for example. Like I don't really care about the dialogue in XCOM. I don't think it's that good. But I guess the main difference for me is, one, there's so much less of it, so it's so much easier to just – like you can tell the people who made XCOM didn't get precious about their (laughs) fiction. You know, because you can just right. It's well, so much easier to skip that stuff. The other thing do. is, I also didn't. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to belabor. This. Also, I don't know what you guys talked about. Really, I didn't the other thing I'll say really quickly podcast, about, but continue. Jesus, no. <laughs> the other thing I'll say really quickly about XCOM is comparison because someone did bring up XCOM. Yeah. After the last week, and so well, that's what's so amazing about that fiction. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, there's actually like a lot of gameplay stuff in between the battles in XCOM that I love. That I really, really yeah. love a lot. Whereas the gameplay stuff you do in between the battles in um, the Banner Saga, I just, I, that stuff I also just coincidentally, well, not related to the fiction, also just didn't find as interesting. And yeah. so it was these two things that I wasn't super into that you have to spend a lot of time clicking through before you get to the part that I liked a lot. I mean, I think that's the danger in, like, because in the Banner Saga, I feel like they, they took all the dialogue stuff and then tied it back into, like, you could make decisions in the dialogue stuff that would just, like, kill a bunch of your units or, like, right. kill an important yeah. guy. And then in the battles, you could screw up and lose a guy and then he wasn't there for the next dialogue thing. And so, like, somebody who's not into both of those things, the fact that they're both so right. tightly... Well, and the other problem, too, is I felt like, I mean, there was so much dialogue stuff that I didn't know when a decision like that was going to appear. Like, when to care. I didn't really quite know, like, what to expect from one situation it, to another. It, so- it sounds from reading about this game that that was an in- a super, super, super deliberate choice. Oh, yeah. Based on a few I'm other sure games. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Like, the intent is to make sure that you pay attention to all of it. Right. But the yeah, byproduct of that is that I pay attention to none of it, though, yeah. because I don't yeah. really yeah. want to pay that's attention to all ad- of it. Exactly. That's an admirable goal, I think. Yeah. But it just it didn't play out in a way that, that allowed me to, in, to like... 
I just what, there's just no way I'm going to read every single word that yeah. is. And for some, but for somebody who wasn't, for somebody who's not inclined to skip through that kind of crap to get to the part of the game I'm that sure they're interested awesome. in, oh, it yeah. was probably really yeah. great that those important right. things happened as a result of their choices totally. that they really cared about. And we we but heard from a bunch of people for whom that was the case. Like it's interesting. A lot of those people wrote in, and that's totally like fine. it's it's quality on that axis is a thing that made it just less of a good experience for you. Whereas you know like two separate games that were each of those systems really heavily focused on. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, and we, that's why one of the reasons we brought up sort of not necessarily games that are similar, but games that have that half of it in ways that I enjoyed more, which would include things like Crusader Kings Two, the Yogg. Um, uh, I can't remember the other examples we brought up. I think even FTL maybe came up, but like there, there's a lot of games that have stuff like that in them that I just ended up enjoying more. But I just feel like they're balanced a little differently. Anyway, I don't want to ha- like rehash the same thing we already basically spent an hour on last week. But um, but I, I anyway, whatever. Games. I was talking to Sean about the stuff in FTL specifically, like the, oh, yeah. just the little events and the places where FTL does deliver a little bit of writing and how yeah. it. <sighs> It makes me a little sad that what those things basically turn into is like tab out and look at the wiki to see what each of these things are. I don't like want to hold up FTL. FTL. I don't want to hold up FTL. Yeah, like, yeah specifically in FTL. Yeah. Like it's, and, and I don't it's want like, to say that's like a paragon of this no. shit. Yeah. Sure, and I just it would have been maybe better if it had just like maybe after I just you've seen them like, once <laughs> it spells well, out it though, spells yeah. out what the decisions are going to do instead yeah. of trying yeah. to trying to like be that fiction. Yeah. I think yeah. I think the the main the, takeaway the matters punchiness I guess yeah the stuff that matters I was just surrounded by so much other text like the decisions I had to make were just prefaced by just an enormous amount of content and I just felt like if it had been boiled down to its sort of bare essence like this is the choice you're making right here here's the necessary information uh, that would have been the the version of that that uh, would have been easier for me to consume anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, S. Neckquest writes, um, Shadow That sounds like a code name for Nick Brecken for some reason. <laughs> hey, Thumbs. Recently, I've been catching up on the podcast and the discussion in episode 129 about making a Shadow RSS feed that would send out a nonsense cast recording to one in every 1,000 listeners got me thinking about unique experiences in games. I forget who exactly, but I recall a comedian doing a bit about how funny it would be if the studio behind Titanic had set out one reel to a single cinema in which the ship reached its destination without its end. <laughs> Confused audiences would go and tell their friends who would obviously assume they'd gone insane. Games often have scripted, supposedly random encounters, like those in Red Dead Redemption, in which you go to help an NPC in distress and are surprised by bandits. The problem being that they occur in such high frequency that every player will see them repeatedly, shedding any illusion of uniqueness. Do you think there's any value in creating random scripted events with such a low chance of appearing that only a tiny percentage of players encounter them, or would these kinds of experiences be better served by more emergent gameplay systems? Anyway, many thanks from the, for the podcast from Shijiang, China. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Scott? I think that's... I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, I think what might be even cooler is to have something that has a low frequency of occurring and then once it happens it's flagged it as it has out. happened and it can never happen again. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, yeah, that's what I thought of. Yeah, I, I also thinking. don't think that that has to happen at the exclusion of emergent systems. Yep. Definitely, yep. yeah. Yep. I'm always super interested in stuff like that that happens in MMOs because I feel like you can get away with doing stuff in an MMO that relies on there being a population of people and a population of people that are inclined to communicate with each other and like put, you know, mm. like collect a wiki of stuff. But when you do stuff where one person's experience is dramatically different than another person's experience in a way that actually affects their gameplay, they'll just revolt. The thing in that an I, MMO, they would revolt. Yeah. The one of those that Which I remember. Which player sad. game, I think that's more okay. Or people accept it more. It was in Star Wars Galaxy, there was like a group of people who just continued to religiously play this game as stormtroopers and would drill and do all sorts of stuff. 
So they just decided they would spawn Darth Vader, who came down in a command ship and said, good work, keep it up, and then left. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, God, I might Man. be completely fascinated, no, 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 but I'm, I'm nearly sure that I saw screenshots of that. God. I'm like, that is out of control. Like, that's there a very handmade be... uh, one of those and not like built into the game. That's not. I've the, talked like... about, yeah, I've talked about Gemstone 3 before, but. Um, about what? Gemstone 3, the, the mud. mud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The early mud thing, but. In that game, there used to be a guy who was basically like a traveling salesman, and it was just a programmer from the game who would just come into town every month and just set up shop. And if you had enough money, and people would like pool their money, uh, knowing that this guy was coming to town, and he would just basically handcraft like in whatever game tool he had, uh, just items that were just increasingly insane, just like jackets that <laughs> yeah. could hold like a hundred items that were, and then like, they had like paragraph descriptions so that when you looked at them, it would be like, Lord Brecken's, you look into the, the, the depths of Lord Brecken's jacket and see your own face. It just would go on and on and on. Like, I don't know. Stuff like that's really Do you good. still have any of those items? I, I'm probably, I'd have to like log in my account. I mean, K- Kingdom of Loathing is a game that's small enough that we can kind of get away with stuff like that. It invariably upsets people. Like, if we do something where it's like, all right, this guy's here. He's selling this thing. It's only there today. Yeah. Like, somebody was like, oh, I was at my grandma's this weekend. You guys right. are assholes yeah. because I should be able to have this thing. And it's yeah. like, eh. Things that make it an interesting world, things that make it an interesting story are things that are not necessarily going to be like... Well, can you do that without needing, like, physical evidence of it, but just have waggy things that happen where it's like if you were lucky enough to be there for that so be it but you don't get mm. like a unique badge that you couldn't get if you weren't there yeah i mean i i find that kind of thing a little less interesting just because i so one of my favorite things about a certain era of world of warcraft is that the way that they did the sort of alchemy system there were certain things that like there, you, every time you made a potion, you had like a one in a billion chance of figuring out how to make some other kind of potion. And there would be like one guy on the server that knew how to make that oh, potion. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And so that guy could then sell it in the auction house and it had his name on it. And mm-hmm, if you got yeah. it, then you knew where it came from. And to me, that is so much more interesting of a story than like, nope, if you make 10,000 potions, you are guaranteed to learn how to make this other potion. And then everybody can make it. And it's yep. just another fucking commodity. It's just like another thing that's exactly like everything else. But like the guy who's like, well, we need this potion in order to beat this raid boss. So the situation in which this one guy is the only guy that can make it and he doesn't like us is a situation that just ruins my experience of the game and so it they they invariably just like you know they file all the teeth off of stuff like that and it's it's like it seems to me like that is the all of the sacrifices that you make to to gameplay and to user experience to have an mmo should be in the service of something and they're just they're not if you're just sort of pandering to to the complaints that everybody's like experience is, should be like as oh, satisfying as a single player game, right? So this is something that I think is a is games being systemic in nature, I think just presents a challenge in this inherently, which is that the things that make for the best memories are often not the things that make for what seem like the most satisfying or equitable game experience in the moment. And so I I think MMOs have to deal with that in to like a super high degree, which is I mean Everyone loves having memories of that, which is why people talk about which is Ultima why this Online. podcast exists. Well, yeah, well that. Yeah. But also why people What's... have such fond memories of stuff like Ultima Online, like the sort of waste, like just Badlands years of games like that. Um, but if you're the person who's like per- perceives themselves to be suffering from that when it's actually happening, like if you perceive yourself to be getting the short end of the stick, you're just, blah, 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 you're just frustrated by it. And that sucks, right? Like, that's just sort of, to some degree, irreconcilable, which is shitty. 
Um, What's interesting now, I feel like with Twitch and just online video in general, I feel like some of that might be slightly mitigated and that you can now just log in and see what that guy's doing and sort of... Well, that's still sort why of I like reading about Eve and will never play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, you sort of get the hit of, like, experiencing what that guy is, is able to do. Without, I mean, if that could... if, if Eve explosion. If Sorry. watching people uh, play video games on Twitch could foster a kind of empathy that would allow you to yeah. just like <laughs> right? somebody else had yeah. a cool experience and yeah. I can feel happy yeah. for them without feeling ripped off and bitching about it on the forum. But like, see, Yeah. And I agree with you totally, but I think a lot of the reasons people actually end up spending enough time in MMOs for that thing to happen is because they, they, well, yeah. maybe that, but also at least I mean, they want to, yeah. based on my own experience, uh, the only MMO I ever really played was world of Warcraft for about six months. And I, I, obviously, I can't speak for anyone else playing MLs, but I definitely know myself that after I'd played it for a certain amount of time, the the sort of like magic of discovery definitely was basically gone, and I was just playing it because I play it. And you, I think, like, and that like after several months of that is when I stopped playing because I, I it kind of just freaked me out. But like, I definitely went a while of just in that mode where I was just I wasn't playing it. And having any of that shit in my brain, it was just like, I'm playing this because what I do now, and I want the most optimum path to everything, and I want to know what the shortest path to point B is, and I want to know how to level the fastest, and I want to know how to do this raid in the way that's most efficient, or the least bullshit for our guild. And, like, that, those became not the reasons to keep playing, but, like, the atmosphere in which I did keep playing. I was compelled to play rather than, like, necessarily playing for these, like, ephemeral joy. Like it, it, sure. Which is why I got into it in the first place of, like finding new locations and exploring this world and it was magical. And it sucks that... The, and the, like, but I just couldn't... Like, the, the way MMOs are made, they want you to just keep playing indefinitely. And you do that by, like, exploiting systems that so you think, puts people's brains on a treadmill. You think had Darth Vader landed and said, keep up the good work, you would have said, fuck off, I'm trying to wait for this mob? No, that's... Well, that's such... That is such a, like, crazy... Especially if he'd landed in the world of Warcraft. <laughs> Like, so, I mean, I, I can't say anything but this as a guy that runs a fucking MMO, but, like, I don't but like think that fuck in, you. but then in, then in World of Warcraft, for instance, I don't think that there is, I don't think that there is, like, exploitative intent in the design. I think that the way that, the way that some of the systems. I can't speak to intent. I just know what my, was going on sure, in my brain. Sure, sure. And that, but that, it. but that is the thing. World of Warcraft is a game that for a certain percentage of its players, it turns them into people who are like the worst at enjoying it because right. all they care about is repeating the most boring aspects of it and doing, just doing the spreadsheets and doing the, well, those like, people doing must the bookkeeping be, of figuring it out. There must be a lot of them because that's what the end game turns into, it seems, it, most right, of the time. Sure. I mean, it, but I mean, the way that I approach it as a player is I play until I get to that point and then I just turn it off until an expansion comes out and I can sure. go explore some new stuff and have some sure. novel experiences. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and when I find myself starting to go down that rabbit hole, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not enjoying this. But, yeah. and, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't think that there, I don't think that there is anyone that is doing that on purpose. I don't think there's anybody that's creating that experience well, I think there on are purpose. Some people trying. Well, okay, sure, sure, sure. Yes, there's, but, a, no. there's a guy in Squat and Gobble who's there every night for three hours <laughs> with his headset on. Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, there's a guy in our Squat and Gobble who plays World of Warcraft every night for three hours. Wait, also, seriously? there's yeah. a place called Squat and Gobble. <laughs> Squat and Gobble is it's a great. local San Francisco sure. like yeah. weird food chain that's actually yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I think people play the end game of MMOs for all sorts of different reasons. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I experienced what you experienced, Chris, and then I, I caught, I caught up in it and I stopped playing. But I do think that there are people who play it for. 
I enjoy hanging well, out with my guild yeah. mates. And and I, I, enjoy, I mean, I had that, know, part, I mean okay, yeah. that part I also had. And sure. without that, yeah. I would have stopped playing a lot sooner. Yeah. But, but yeah. my point is that nobody nobody was trying to put you in that situation where you were wasting your life playing this. Like they sure. they were trying to make the best experience for the players that they could. And I, I think that well, yeah, this is a like, hard thing to do. It is right that you can't you can't put novel experiences in front of people as fast as people can consume them, right? And so, like, I think maybe just there's something fundamentally flawed about an MMO in general that makes it so you... It gravitates towards systems that are going to push people towards that, like, shitty experience of it if they're the kind of person that, like, really wants to be good at a game as opposed to just, like, I'm going to take from this whatever I can get of value from it and then just, like, you know, walk away from it when I'm done. And it's, like, I would rather the game's... I would rather World of Warcraft be there for somebody like me who can play it super casually and go in you know, one one month out of every year and play it and then just walk away. Then that means that there are like – because it exists like that, there are going to be people that get sure. super into it and just mm-hmm. have this shitty experience. But it's like yeah. – what are you, what are you going to do, yeah, right? No, like know, that's – that. yeah. yeah. But, you know, there are people who probably have an unhealthy relationship with Kingdom of Loathing as dumb as that is because it's just such a low fidelity thing. Like telling, telling somebody like, Oh, I have to go to rehab because of this thing. And they look at it into this thing, like it which frames also. Yeah, no, it has frames. It's that's bad. Frames, frames are good. That's my other unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, I think that there are cool things that you can do in an MMO that you can't do in any other type yeah, of game well, yeah, and i think that God, like, did you guys see that fucking eve yeah. thing that happened recently nick did you see this i may not have there was a like the biggest battle that's ever taken place mm, in yeah, eve, and it started that. because someone didn't yeah. pay the protection money yep. for their corporation yeah and like that snowballed into this crazy vendetta that like launched the biggest battle in eve history with like dozens of titans yeah i think and like just bonkers shit. so much it money insane. being lost per it was yeah, reported on like yeah. cbs and stuff it was yeah. the, the video yeah. that was on the like actual of like of the eve yeah. blog it had a link to the goon fleet taking down one of those huge carrier ships for the first ever time and when that was a big deal and they're like anyway here's a screenshot of like 15 of them exploding at yeah, once yeah, yeah. jesus <laughs> yeah so crazy. eve does this cool thing that i learned about where when enough ships are in the same place oh, yeah, yeah, at the yeah. same time, yeah. they like the slow down time on the server, like to keep it from yeah, actually chugging, yeah, yeah to keep it from smart. chugging, and also like because if there's that many ships in one place at one time, you probably there's probably something cool about to go down, and you're gonna yeah. want to be able to react to things. For a long then, time, like, it was they they had such an archaic way of dealing with that. You'd almost you'd have to like phone in two days ahead of time, like, hey, we're gonna be at this place in two days. It's totally <laughs> nothing. Just just let you know, there's probably gonna be like the thousand ships there. <laughs> we're just gonna hang out it's gonna be fine and then you know insanity but yeah they can automate that now yeah yeah they just yeah they have a, they have a balancer I think EVE players maybe understand on some level that the game is really boring and so some drama gets generated on a cycle like this because like about every year there's well, some so big battle the game, the the game, so it's like game takes place on the metal level that's what makes it's, it it's all, that's it's what all, allows this shit to happen yeah. is that players like I mean, you know, you know, the corporations in it, but like beyond that, players like superimpose their own like cultural structures on yeah, top of most these. of the mechanics are not actual game well, mechanics. Eve's, <laughs> like Neptune's pride exists, yeah, 
And I always just imagined that Neptune's pride is like the little, like, pull the string barnyard mm. sounds version of what yeah. people who are really into EVE Online uh, actually be like. Yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. this is a guy who has a computer set up that yep. looks like your Zachary. This has three screens, which have, like, yep. a little tiny window maybe that has EVE in it in the corner. Then the rest of it is just spreadsheets and IM windows. Right. And well, yeah, he yeah, just looks like, like a stockbroker or something, basically. But what yeah, he's yeah, doing he is... wrote an article about exactly yeah. what this guy was a stockbroker. Yeah, he worked uh, he for the was a lawyer, yeah. But it's interesting, I think, that, that, like, there was that guy that didn't pay his rent money or whatever, but right. I'm guessing that it could have been more or less anything that happened that was even a little <laughs> bit inflammatory Well, this, well the, the that thing point. that was so like, crazy about this, though, is that it set off such a, like, yeah. unprecedentedly huge... Well, you're just saying that people get wound up and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, that, that was so something, something was going to spark that same the corner tag. and then 300 yeah. people turn and shoot him in the face <laughs> right. because yeah. they've been waiting, like, just the, yeah. the need for an insane yeah, EVE yeah, Online yeah, yeah. event. Mm-hmm. I mean, this so, is entirely me just projecting my yeah. inability to understand why yeah. somebody would get that into it, onto it, and imagine. Yeah, and probably uh, also the meta layer itself, just regardless of boredom, I imagine that like weird boom and bust cycle of everything yep. exploding, and then yeah. people regrouping, but with allegiances spun yeah. out of that. And it's then probably it more anthropological over yeah, again. It's like an individual guy freaking out. It's, it's like, probably just it's, telling about the cycle of humanity. It's, it's, it's just Archduke Ferdinand is what this guy was. It's yeah, just right, exactly. Like the yeah, one yeah. thing that happened that just yeah, sparks just, everything. Everything yeah. over. And it's got to be interesting now, like... There are probably fortunes being made from people just being in the right place at the right time to, like, pick up the pieces. Like, oh, a lot of the ships that got killed were, like, mining this one sector that's now totally unprotected just kind of randomly as a result of this battle having cost them so many resources. So, like... That's pretty fascinating. Well, yeah, there's gonna yeah. be there's gonna be some new money coming out of this that will surely then just be destroyed yeah, re- next year. Redrawn borders, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Games, games. I wonder how many embedded Eve journalists were killed in that conflict. <laughs> 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 do we want to do any more questions? Do we want to say if you have a question or domain name? <laughs> <laughs> write us at questions at idlethumbs.net uh, I yeah. did want to say um, also wait what oh wait. go ahead no, no. oh were you going to say write us on iTunes because that's not what I was going to say was but you should that. I was going to say follow us on Twitter at idlethumbs okay what I was going to say was last week we talked about um, we talked about the idlethumbs forum community a little bit and a thing that is really cool is we talked about the like welcome new member say hi thread that thread fucking blew up this week which was awesome to see there's a ton of people who showed up on the forum but one thing that um showed up in the last couple weeks that I think is really cool is a thread called Amateur Game Making Night which is a thread that was started by people who are all um, because a lot of people are into this right now um, who are all sort of starting to just put their toe in the water of making games in Game Maker Unity or whatever solution they want and there's just sort of that thread is sort of the the test bed for people in the Thumbs community who just want to show off stuff they're making and want to get advice about just starting to try making a game for yourself at home and it's already really cool. So check out the Idle Thumbs forums. Check out that. And um, also the thread we're not supposed to look at still exists, which is just gnawing at me. Um, that was the thread themed around the painting of me, which showed up two weeks ago or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, cool. Idle Thumbs forums continue to be cool. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, Zach, thanks for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Do you want to plug anything? No, nope, I never want to plug anything. Dude. <gasps> sure, Kingdom of Loathing. Oh, the, king- the kingdom of loathing.com. Go there for all of your <laughs> funny links about car game. Uh, and England. <laughs> yep. Good old England. Cool. All right. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Bye bye.
Games Ooh. discussed. Buzz Lightyear's Astro uh, Blast. You know what? I can talk what about. The fuck, Artie, shut up! I can actually talk about. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I can actually get. Shut up! Wasted the reveal of what it's called. <laughs> I thought everyone knew what it was called. Don't assume anything. <laughs> That's our other slogan. I'm actually really upset about it. Uh, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does okay. anyone have brain damage? <laughs> <laughs>